This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Welcome to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and channel. Uh, and uh, tonight's show... Um, is going to be about channeling and mediumship and intuitive stuff, and I do have a couple of uh, listener questions to uh, to to add to that about this topic. Um, what I what I find is that in my head, uh, I get on these astrology kicks, and then a few weeks or a few months later, I get on these channeling kicks. And so the subtitle of the show is astrology and channeling, and I combine it in my work. But there are you know different. Uh, different things to explore uh, with each. So, so tonight I'm intentionally doing uh, something on the intuitive channeling mediumship side of things, and then next week intentionally doing something on the astrology side of things, uh, and trying to go back and forth to give you a variety. Um, I, I realize that there's going to be a lot of different interests uh, in in the audience that that gets drawn to this podcast because of all and the show and the podcast because of all the different things I do. So, just to let you know, I'm thinking about that. And trying to trying to focus a little so that um, so that I can uh, uh, you know recognize that I blend everything, but I can also speak about each individually, and, and different segments of the audience might be interested in one or the other, one, one perhaps over the other, or have experience. Uh, so tonight it's about uh, tonight it's about channeling and mediumship. I'm going to define some terms and talk about um, how I experience uh, those different things and how I've experienced it with different practitioners and readers uh, that I've uh, sought. Uh, work with. And then, of course, there's listener questions. So first, uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, we're getting close to August. It's only two days away. Today's the 30th of July. Uh, so starting this Friday, uh, August 1st, every day in August, I'll be doing energy work on a 20-minute conference call that you can call into. The site, uh, My site, uh, Calendar, as well as my blog has uh, links to all the info and the number is published. It's on the honor system. No, no RSVP. I keep doing that in reverse. I want to say SRVP or something. Um, and no minimums, no commitments. And, and at the end of the month, you'll, you'll calculate how many days you called in. Hopefully a lot because this is going to be a, um, a chance to get a daily plug in or upgrade with uh with with uh, the beings i channel uh, metatron and jehudi it looks like it's going to be a little more metatron on the energy work side of things and uh when i'm speaking it might be jehudi or it might be me i'm still kind of working that out things are kind of shifting a little bit in my own practice as i'll talk about a little bit later um but uh every day for 20 minutes and then at the end of the month you'll calculate how many days you called in and on the sliding scale you'll will work out a fee um so you won't register for every call you make you'll keep track of that i am intending to do either a blog uh written uh journal for the month 
oh, you know, every other day or something like that to do an update about my experience and what I'm hearing from people. And I encourage everyone who's doing this on a regular basis to to keep some kind of journal as well. I may do a little video update thing too. We'll see. Um, we'll see how it goes and and how my hair looks day to day. We'll we'll find out uh, if I if my Venus on the ascendant can deal with being videoed every day. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, Twenty minute phone call. Call in right on the hour. It's six p.m. Pacific, nine p.m. Eastern for 20 minutes. Uh, I'm not recording the calls, and I'm asking you not to record them as well. If you're in a place in the world and you're interested, but you can't do it at that time, uh, in a few months. I will be doing it at a different time of the day, probably midday Pacific time, which would be, um, you know, obviously a different time for you wherever you are than uh, the than the uh, 6 p.m. Pacific. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, the next thing is uh, the new Jupiter and Leo video. I believe I announced it last week. Um, almost 11 minutes as a sample. The first bit of it is on YouTube, and the 70-minute full video is available through my site. You can uh, link in the comments. There's a link on that YouTube video to go to that. And uh, what I want to talk about today with the transit stuff does have to do a little bit with Jupiter. And um, the sun now has been in Leo for a week. And it's moving away from its conjunction to Jupiter now at three degrees. Basically, when the sun entered Leo, it was officially conjunct Jupiter by a few degrees, and uh, or under two degrees. And so they've been traveling together for this last week. And um, now the sun's moving away, but there's this real emphasis on the power of belief and how beliefs serve you. So I just want to give you this kind of teaser. Thinking about the last week, Jupiter is about expansion. It is about making things better. But you have to see what doesn't work. And in this case, have the giant flashlight of the sky, the sun, put all of this light of conscious awareness on how belief works in your life. Even if this is not touching something or anything in your chart, understand that it's happening somewhere in your chart. You, there's a house in which this conjunction has played out. You know, how, what, during the last week, you, I'm, I have every confidence that you would have seen something new about either what you believe is happening and therefore the lens through which you're willing to experience life or see the world. Jupiter is that, that lens, that framework through which we view the world and interpret what happens. And then, uh, um, so you need to expand, but you need to also be aware of what you do that keeps you from expanding. And that's what the sun on Jupiter, uh, this week I think was really about. It certainly was that, was that for me just watching certain, a particular kind of response to a certain kind of scenario that has everything to do with the transit of my my son it has Saturn sitting on it right now, and so in the second house, so certain like things about skills and money and values and things are just kind of feel like on hold, and so that's one experience. But then I'm watching the Sun Jupiter thing illuminate my response and how that's informed by belief, the frustrated response with certain like things that don't work and aren't working well. So anyway, over the last week, you will have seen something about the power of belief and the very fact of belief. So, so just think about that and, um, and be aware that every belief can be changed. Even if part of you wants to throw his or her arms up in the air because it's so frustrating to look at it or to experience it because beliefs are attached often to our emotional responses to situations that we don't like. And if when they get, a, when they get a, a, involved in a routine or they get cemented 
or we get really comfortable with them, they become karma. It's the nature of karma is beliefs attached to emotions. So we try to change belief, but then we have this knee-jerk reaction because of the emotion, and then we think the belief can't be changed because we're not sure how to deal with the emotional thing underneath it. So if that resonates with you, you can call me for a session because I'm doing that work with people uh, constantly these days and uh, happy to help you out with that too. Um, yeah, so as far as, uh, as far as this, uh, uh you know, the, uh, Sun Jupiter conjunction, um, uh, the subscribers to tjacobs.com get a, uh, a user's manual for the month, including, uh, that kind of perspective. So you can check that out through my site, tdjacobs.com. And, um, this month was a, a lot of info because, uh, the Sun or the Jupiter and Leo video was included free for subscribers and is, uh, 12 for everybody else. So moving on to the, uh, the definitions of channel, uh, medium, intuitive, all this kind of thing. I think that there are uh, generally well-established definitions for these things, but then there are variations that sometimes aren't always accounted for. So, so for example, I call myself a channel, and um, but I'm an intuitive, but I'm also a medium, but I'm also a channel. I'm also kind of a medical intuitive. I kind of look at look at uh, health issues and, and discern the source and help you change things to release energies and so all these things. But as a channel, there are different kinds of channel. One is a uh, they call it um, semi-conscious, and one is a trance channel. Trance channel is when the person may come out of that channeling state and say, "Oh my gosh, what happened?" <laughs> and not not know, fully giving over or fully so to speak taken over by the being channeled. A, a semi-conscious uh, channel. I, I don't like that terminology, but I, that's what I am. I'm semi-conscious, where I'm completely aware of everything that happens. I don't remember every detail, but I'm aware of the whole thing. Um, and so that's um, it, it's good to be aware of that because um, a semi-conscious channel, because he or she is experiencing the work as it's happening and the messages, the person can learn from them. And so that person might be in a different position consciousness-wise than a trance channel. Trance channel might have to listen to the recording later or check what was written or typed later to catch up with what was what was going on. And um, the very famous uh, trance channel uh, in the 20th century was Edgar Cayce. Uh, he's an example of being a trance channel where he was fully taken over. And even his particular personal beliefs uh, religious beliefs probably wouldn't have allowed him to jive with a lot of what came through if you were aware of it. So he gave himself over and did this uh, for his own reasons. But um, but it was a um, you know he was not aware of of everything that was said and what was happening. So I happen to be somebody who who, who is aware of that. Um, for a long time, uh, I channeled the ascended master that I work with. Um, Jehudi, also known as Thoth and St. Germain and Merlin, I channeled him directly for clients in sessions as I do in events now. And that's actually changed because I have been altered to the point where he doesn't come through. He just – I know what he would say. So he, I see the chart, the astrology chart, through his eyes. And that seems to be permanent now. So that's like what I was mentioning earlier, where things are kind of changing. And on these daily calls in August, it may be all Metatron, which is serious stuff. So don't think like you're, you know, if Jehudi's not going to be there, you're missing out on something. Like it's, it's, it's transformative, serious stuff. Metatron is a, a, a pretty amazing figure. You can, you can look him up and read about him. Um, and, uh, 
But the uh, but uh, the channeling, I'm doing it a little less. I'm doing it in events. I'm doing it in writing. I'm recording audio. But when I'm talking with a person, more that I'm now more engaged. So now um, I'm doing more work as an intuitive instead of as a channel. So these events, these books, like the numerous MP3s on my site are channeled. And yet when you're actually talking to me now in a session and the, the site text has been updated about sessions to, uh, to reflect this, um, now it's a little different. It's a little different. Um, so that's been interesting. I, I hired somebody to do some, uh, I guess, marketing work for me. And we had a rebranding conversation. And this was part of it. And this was part of it because she said, you actually say things that Jehudi says. He says what you say. So what's the difference? And I really had to sit and think about that. I really had to uh, to sit with Saturn sitting on my son stationing at that point <laughs> and really look at, yeah, what what's going on here? And uh, so I've just had enough changes that um, – that I'm, you know, looking at things through his eyes, and so he doesn't come through that much in sessions. But he's always there. But his voice isn't there. Uh, regarding um, a medium, a medium. I mean, just that that word, you know, uh, a go between, right? Or connecting two things. I always think of um, I always think of the role of a. I always say medium, um, but that that's that might be too vague. Most people would say psychic medium. But then people who don't like to use the word psychic might just say medium. So there's one of those variations because some people who are psychic don't want to call themselves that. <laughs> and uh, just because of certain uh, cultural connotations, like if you call yourself a psychic anything, people will call you and say, when is my cat coming home? And you might be doing soul record readings. You might be doing Akashic readings. You might be doing medical intuitive stuff, but you but you feel you know, you label yourself as a psychic because that's true, but that, you know, that that cache of cultural stuff is in there that might that might get a might get things mixed up sometime. So a medium is somebody who brings through messages from the dead or connects the living with the dead. This is a medium or a psychic medium. Um and that's a the ch a channel typically does not channel straight up dead people, like you know, not to be disrespectful, but run of the mill dead spirits. <laughs> a channel, like if you talk to somebody who's a channel, that person will typically, if that person does not call him or herself a medium, will not bring through a dead a dead pe a dead people a dead people. Oh my gosh, dead people or dead persons. Um, but in medium, that's pretty specific. And in my experience, these are different. Um, I've, I've used this analogy before in teaching on the show, but different. Think about tuning an analog radio dial, where you have to change by change the uh, the frequency, the station that you're receiving. The receiving is or the receiver is open to receiving. Um, to find different things. You have to do that by hand. You have to do this knob left and right, and you kind of have to find the perfect thing. So for me, channel beings, since they're not straight-up run-of-the-mill dead people – I don't know. I kind of like that phrase now that I'm saying it. Since they're not that, they're a different set of radio stations. So maybe it's aliens. Maybe it's Ascended Master, an Archangel, an Angel. Maybe it's a, you know, other helpful beings that are hanging around or, or, or Earth spirits, right? Elementals. Or it could be lots of different kinds of beings. Um, but the medium thing is pretty specifically bringing through dead people as far as the definition goes. Um, 
then moving on to intuitive, uh, this is this is a very broad category, and I didn't ever want to call myself an intuitive because uh, it's so broad. And I played with all these different labels over the years, but intuitive uh, is somebody who can kind of see behind things or can sense the connections between things. An intuitive may not bring through another being, and a, a, me- a medium and a channel would. So that's an important uh, distinction uh, between these three is that an intuitive can help you understand why something's happening. Maybe that intuitive is working with spirit guides or channeled beings or something like that or helpful uh, dead spirits, you know, uh, ancestors who have passed away or something like that. Maybe. But the basic function of the intuitive is to see behind things in in my estimation. So stick with me. Going to take my first break. This is Tom Jacobs on The Soul's Journey. I'll be right back. wondered what your soul is? How about how to create a meaningful life to make the most of your time on earth? In the important new channeled book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, Ascended Master Jehudi, a.k.a. Thoth and St. Germain, explains soul, life, and death to support you in living a meaningful life now. It opens with a description of soul and how it informs and experiences your human life. Creating a meaningful life and an in-depth exploration of death follow, making this a must-have for all humans. Conscious Living, Conscious Dying provides a roadmap for making peace with the reality of life and the fact of death to free you to make the most of your time on Earth. Get your copy of Conscious Living, Conscious Dying now on Amazon, Kindle, or at tdjacobs.com. When you've thought positive thoughts, tried to forgive yourself and others for everything, and read piles of self-help books and still feel stuck, call evolutionary astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs. Consultations with Tom reveal the core of what hurts you and holds you back. Tom changes clients' lives with a personalized blend of evolutionary astrology, messages from spirit guides, channeling and energy work with Ascended Master Jehudi and Archangel Metatron, chakra cleaning and rebalancing, past life integration, and teaching you to transform what you are manifesting. Tom will provide whatever you need to move through knots, blocks, or bruises. To book a life-changing session with Tom Jacobs, call 213-925-6019 or visit tdjacobs.com. Back to the Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. Uh, tonight I'm talking about uh, channeling, mediumship, intuitive stuff, the distinctions between them, how to understand them, and uh, also giving you some some ideas on on how I understand these terms and how I how I experience and and use them. Um, I remember years ago when I was uh, starting a practice, and I had an intuitive friend that I used to have lunch with sometimes who. Um, well, I was talking about what I would call myself because all this intuitive stuff was opening up, and I was 
you know, channeling spirit guides. I was doing spirit guide readings combined with astrology. You know, I was like, what do I call myself? And she had one particular suggestion. I resisted it because it was unique and uh, because I didn't want to have something unique, you know, to label myself. I wanted it to be straight up. But if I, I wouldn't use the word psychic either because I was also working with dead people. So psychic medium was a natural choice. Wouldn't do that. So, But then I put medium on my cards and people have been confused. Like, well, what does that mean? Oh, psychic medium. Oh, you're a psychic. Well, I'm not, I don't know where your keys are. You know, it's like I, I don't I don't know when your when your dog's gonna come home. Like I don't I don't know uh, those things. So um, anyway, so it's been it's been kind of a thing uh, for me to work with those terms. I think it is for for a lot of different practitioners. And now um, we are we're in this time of uh, boundaries and um, kind of the lines between things, the divisions between things are relaxing, and people are finding many more opportunities to synthesize interesting things, different uh, things together. So so some people, and I feel like one of those people, could could have a business card that's full of labels, you know, about about what they do. Um, that's not that's not really helpful. And that that's actually why a website is great, because you can you can spell it out. Um, so I mentioned in the uh, in the show description, you know, an idea of what to expect when you reach out to people who have uh, these these labels. And um, I, I kind of covered that, but I want to be very specific. So, so if you want to talk to a dead person, you know, m- maybe don't go to a channel or an intuitive. You want a medium. You know, um, if you uh, want to talk to like an ascended master, like I channel, then you might, you know, come straight, come straight to a channel. So you want to read about the people that you're that you're you're investigating you want to trust your gut instinct but you also want to understand what it is they do um, i think it's great when i think it's great to kind of interview practitioners like sometimes you you hear a person or you go to a site and you say yes that is for me no doubt and other times you're kind of checking out different people and their services and all these different things and um it's okay i think it's highly advisable to send people an email or give them a call um, and ask them some questions about how they do things and why they do them that way. I think this is very useful and very instructive. Um, sometimes I do work with uh, uh, clients who say something like, um, well, I went to an astrologer years ago, and I'm willing to give you a chance. But years ago, I got really turned off, and there's this whole thing. But but about you know getting information that wasn't helpful or, or not understanding what was being told to them or something like this. Uh, it's really important to find out from where the person you're seeking help is coming from. Like, like it's really important to do that. Find out about, you know, not the life story. You don't, you don't need a breakdown and a CV and all this stuff, but, but, um, you know, what, how did you get into this? What do you love about this work? Like if I brought you this kind of question, how would you approach it? Which is not asking for a free reading. It's really just kind of an interview. I encourage you to do that with people. When people send me stuff like that, I'm happy to talk to them for five or 10 minutes on the phone and, and say, you know, answer questions. You know, the person might say, well, here's my issue and it's really kind of specific. And I don't, you know, it seems like you do a lot of things, but I don't know if you can help. So can I tell you the story for five minutes and then you can tell me if you think you can help me? And I say, yeah, of course. So I do that. I do that quite a lot. I end up chatting with people. Uh, mostly it's email just because um, that seems to be, I don't know, if it's preferred, it seems to be preferred. <laughs> so I get a lot more emails and phone calls. But um, 
but I'm, I'm happy to engage with people and, and let them know what I do and not just send them to my site, but like engage a little. Like I think that's really, that's really important to know, you know, what you're getting. Cause somebody might say, well, I went to a medium a few years ago, blah, 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 and I didn't like it. And I can say, well, actually, this is kind of what I do, you know, and I, you know, and I can, and I can, uh, uh explain that, explain that better. I love it when people call me, actually. I prefer that because then we can get it over with and you can hear the tone of my voice. I can hear your, the tone in your voice. Um, you can imagine my body language. I can imagine yours. You know, it's like, it's like a real conversation, but you know, telephonically anyway. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, it's good. It's good to find out. So if, you know, I'm giving you this explanation on the show tonight and, and you're not clear about that when you're encountering somebody, email that person or call that person and find out. Don't be shy about that. Don't be shy about that. Um, I've had a couple people over the years. I mean, I've been I've been in practice for ten years doing the astrology readings, and probably about eight years with the spirit guides, and about five or six years with the with channeling, having kind of these layers added over over the years uh, as different skills developed and mediumship in there too somewhere. Um, but I have had a couple people who are kind of not plus with what they got, but they didn't ask me. They didn't, they might not have read my site in depth to see what it is I actually do. And if you want somebody to tell you when the dog is going to come home, you don't call me. And you would know that if you spent two minutes on the phone with me or, you know, or, or ask me a question over email, like, you know, do, do you do predictions? And the answer is no, I don't. So anyway, you can find out a lot, uh, from doing that. So I do want to say, uh, if you're just tuning in uh, now as a live listener, maybe you haven't heard the show before, this podcast is available in iTunes to subscribe to, uh, also in Stitcher and Player FM. Um, and rating and reviewing the show and the podcast helps me a great deal. So I really appreciate uh, when people take the time to uh, to do a rating and or write a few words as a review. Those are really those are really really helpful. So I'm going to move into the uh, the two listener questions, and and I had posted on my Facebook page, uh, Evolutionary Astrology and Channeling with Tom Jacobs, which you should check out because that's the best way to keep up with what I'm doing uh, on a regular basis and to get regular updates. You can subscribe to my email list and you can do the Twitter thing, but but Facebook is really where I, I, I spend the most amount of time uh, promoting things or letting people know what's going on and, uh, and posting things. Um, so let me just... Uh I'm just trying to figure out where that is. I'm notorious for losing listener questions. Um, the first one, the first one is from River who asks, do you feel diet plays a role in how sensitive or intuitive you are? Vegetarian, vegan, raw, or whatever. And she also asks, also, what about using food to ground? And these are, um, as far as the, the, the actual practice or the experience of being one of these things, intuitive, a medium, or a channel, this this is incredibly important. So I'm really glad that, that River asked this question, uh, asked these questions. Diet entirely plays a role. So your physical body is affected by what you eat, right? How much tissue there is, weight, you know, how much energy flow there is. Do organs work well? Are they happy? Are, you know, and also exercise and movement and getting, getting movement. Are your muscles toned? Are they working? Are, you know, is energy moving? But your energetic self is attached to your physical body. So the energy of what you consume for nutrition and food 
because uh, sometimes those are sometimes different things, like the feeding idea versus versus uh, nutrification or being being nutrified. I don't even know if those are words, but I use them, so I'm kind of blushing a little bit. But nutrification is what I like to call it, versus like trough feeding, which seems to be a big thing as people don't know what to do with their emotions and aren't always conscious of their bodies, um, of what's happening in their bodies and how food makes them feel. But yes, the physical body you know, processes things and that affects your energy field. And then of course, how much nutrition, what kind of nutrition? Is it balanced? Is it is it alive? She asks about you know, raw or, or something like this. It, it definitely does affect it. And yet for each person, there probably will never be one particular rule because the physical body calls out for different things and sometimes that serves your energy field. As I was thinking about this the last few days because um, on the 27th here in Tucson, I did uh, an energy work event for about 15 people here in, per- uh, in person in Tucson. And um, the vibration was very, very different such that during the event, I was a little nervous that nothing real was happening because it wasn't like it always was. And I I mentioned earlier, uh, maybe Jehudi is coming through a little less. It was more like I had Jehudi and Metatron on the line and I was saying what Jehudi would say, but the vibration was different. What Jehudi was saying and thinking, the vibration was different. And I had actually not drastically but noticeably changed some eating behaviors about four days prior because I had talked to uh, Metatron and said, what what can I do to make this event really good? And he was like, well, stop eating this and start eating that. And I was like, okay, great. But I didn't, you know, my energy field was different to facilitate this work, but my physical body felt different as well. And so I, you know, had that dietary change. That is not abnormal for me to make a change before a big event. But sometimes, well, often it's, it's more often than uh, a few days. Like if you... um if you do the, any of those uh, transforming calls, those 90-minute MP3s that I that I do with Jehudi uh, and Metatron over the phone, which all those are on my site uh, to get, I think there are five of them all together at this point. Uh, sometimes, well, I, I will talk about to people before the event that I'm going, I'm undergoing preparation, and oftentimes that is in a minor adjustment, an addition, an elimination of diet. It's not usually radical. But all of the channel stuff that I've produced thus far has – I've been a meat eater. And I've even talked about that on the show um, maybe months ago. And I remember I, I had a listener write in to, to you know, say that she felt that she couldn't uh, – she couldn't really believe that I was um, – you know, really heart centered because I was eating all the poor little babies and all this stuff. And I kind of reacted negatively to that. And I apologize the next week, but, but that's on my mind too, like that interaction. But, but anyway, I've always been checking in with my body. Is meat okay? Is dairy okay? Cause I have managed, um, uh, some, you know, excess energy with raw fats, including avocado, but including raw dairy. But anyway, um, five channeled books. Uh, probably 40 channeled MP3s, including major events like 90-minute events where I have to prep for a month and <laughs> do this big thing. These kind of life-changing events, like like all of these things, have been produced while I was eating meat. And so there's no hard and fast rule. So now my body says ease up on that. Jehudi says or Metatron said, um, "Hey, why don't you why don't you try this instead and kind of change that up." And so this week I've had um, animal products uh, three times, including Sunday. Today's Wednesday, so that's not that's not uh, 
it's just like a little bit here and there instead of maybe a couple times a day even between like uh between between dairy and uh and uh fleshy things so it's been been a real radical change you might even sense a a difference uh in my in my voice and my energy level here i feel calmer um my girlfriend has talked to me about that that thing that many people talk about which is um the idea of if you're eating an animal that has been that has experienced like violence and killing which all killing is violent um, unless they're like lulled to sleep somehow, but they're not. <laughs> anyway, um, I do get organic grass fed and, uh, when I, when I do eat that stuff, so, so it's better quality and they, we, you know, I presume that they, they die in a different way. The energy of death hasn't come through, but, you know, she has said to me, um, some people say that there's a, an agitation or an anger that can come with eating that. Maybe that's true. But if I check in with my body and it says, you really need to keep doing this, then I do it. And now it's saying you don't need to do it, so I'm edging back on it. And my experience of being a channel and an intuitive is definitely changing. So River's question is uh, is uh, real, really timely, actually, really timely. I've been thinking about it a lot since uh, a few days before that event on Sunday. So a little over a week now that I've been thinking about it. So you shouldn't say you can't do good intuitive work if you're not you know, a vegan or eating raw, or something like that, you're a vegetarian, or never eat dairy. Like You can't give a hard and fast rule, and you shouldn't. Some people will, but don't do it. Because it leads to, it leads to um, potentially building in an ignoring of what the body calls for. My body has called out for animal products, and now it is not doing so. And it's it's a it's weird for me because I've I've been vegetarian for mostly vegetarian for a few years in my I guess my late twenties when I mid mid to late twenties when I had experiences working in restaurants uh, not bad experiences regarding dirty restaurants or something like that but just actually handling animal carcasses made me become a vegetarian for several years and I quit that industry because I couldn't deal with it <laughs> so so I mostly uh, mostly was a vegetarian for I don't know maybe maybe two two and a half years or something um, to kind of work that out of my system but um, we don't know what our bodies are going to want and need and even now as I'm not I'm not eating animal products very much I've had tuna a couple times this week <laughs> but as I'm not doing that uh, I don't know what's going to happen in a week or two or three I suspect that this has to do with me prepping not just for last Sunday's event here in town, but also the doing the energy work every day during August. I've never done anything like that before, and that's new. So I said, how can I make this stuff work work well? How can I, you know, uh, be able to do this in a grounded, healthy way? And this is one of the answers. So it could be that September first, my body says, eat some flesh. And if it says that, I will do that. But I'm I know the difference between what my my mouth says. And what my whole body says, I know that difference, and I've spent a lot of time getting to know that. So, so anyway, that that's. Uh, let me just revisit. Um, oh, and using food to ground. Yes, that's very important. There are different ways to do this. Some of which are really not good. And uh, actually, I write about in uh, Seeing Through Spiritual Eyes, uh, one of the first books I published. It's a it's a memoir on this whole process of of opening up. The first seven years of the, of the intuitive thing for me, and, and channeling a mediumship and all that stuff, and I write about uh, had a mediumship experience at a at a circle, a seance circle essentially, and it was it was overwhelming almost. It was really intense, and I was just I was in a crash course learning about all this stuff. Uh, that particularly, like channeling, was very slow and steady. 
uh, but mediumship, I was thrown in the deep end with some really intense experiences and just told to trust that everything was fine. And I did, and it was fine. But I remember coming home at, uh, I don't know, maybe it was even 10, 10.30, 11 p.m., and uh, driving back from Burbank to downtown L.A. where I lived, which was quite a stretch on my little uh, Honda 250 motorcycle. So I didn't go on the highway. Uh, but I also wouldn't have after doing a mediumship event like that. Um, so it was all surface streets. So it's like 45 minutes or something. And at the end of it, I was like, wow, I need to eat something heavy. And I went into this diner and had a burger, you know, a big fat burger. And I used that to ground. So that's one way to do it is to eat heavy foods. And I think that when you see um, – this is more prevalent with mediums. I think only because it's more prevalent in how we – you know, um, we're aware of it more because more mediums – media uh, more psychic mediums are very very famous than for example channels or intuitives um but you see mediums who are very overweight and there's this thing about trying to ground through food i believe that is what happens and i have at times done that and i am a little overweight at this point and um I'm also I'm strong and active, but I'm also carrying extra weight, and I think part of it does have to do with that sense of all this energy is running through me. How can I ground it? So there's a bad way to do it, which I think a lot of mediums do, and I think it's accepted somewhat or seen as not a problem because it's so prevalent. Or gosh, you know, it seems to happen. I also think that among them, it's not talked about, but. Um, but I have noticed that sometimes I'm running so much energy, part of me wants to eat more. But that's not the solution. That's not the solution at all. Um, but we have to get more conscious about that and, uh, and, and do that. Um, so I'm going to take the second break. This is uh, Tom Jacobs on The Soul's Journey, and I'll be right back after the break. wondered what your soul is? How about how to create a meaningful life to make the most of your time on earth? In the important new channeled book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, Ascended Master Jehudi, aka Thoth and Saint Germain, explains soul, life and death to support you in living a meaningful life now. It opens with a description of soul and how it informs and experiences your human life. Creating a meaningful life and an in-depth exploration of death follow, making this a must-have for all humans. Conscious Living, Conscious Dying provides a roadmap for making peace with the reality of life and the fact of death to free you to make the most of your time on Earth. Get your copy of Conscious Living, Conscious Dying now on Amazon, Kindle, or at tdjacobs.com. When you've thought positive thoughts, tried to forgive yourself and others for everything, and read piles of self-help books and still feel stuck, call evolutionary astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs. Consultations with Tom reveal the core of what hurts you and holds you back. Tom changes clients' lives with a personalized blend of evolutionary astrology, messages from spirit guides, channeling and energy work with Ascended Master Jehudi and Archangel Metatron, chakra cleaning and rebalancing, past life integration, and teaching you to transform what you are manifesting. Tom will provide whatever you need to move through knots, blocks, or bruises. 
to book a life-changing session with Tom Jacobs, call 213-925-6019 or visit tdjacobs.com. Back to the Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com, and I'm um, currently answering uh, Listener River's question about foods for grounding. So I covered some of the ways you shouldn't do it <laughs> before the break. One way to do it is also to look at foods that have grown in the ground. That's one idea, and I and that's why um, sometimes, like when I had that big burger after that intense mediumship event, where I was like. Anyway, I'm not going to explain that. But um, <laughs> uh, after that, I had a burger, but I had fries, and the potatoes are said to be grounding. So you can choose what kind of potato, a yam, sweet potato, potato, potato. Right? You can choose what kind, but something like that may help some people. It has helped me to a very minor extent at certain times. But sometimes that is simply having something heavy in me, and it's not really that it grew uh, under the earth. Um, other things, uh, um, foods that will activate your lower chakras can do this. And I've had recommended to me cacao, like basically chocolate. But I would have in that case, uh, when I was doing this years ago, exploring that, I would have raw cacao like mixed in with something, like make a smoothie or something and have raw cacao powder. Um, that didn't really help me. But it helped other people that I knew. Uh, it didn't really help me. What has really helped me um, is observing the effects. I mean, this is kind of like a weird, maybe a lame answer, but observing the effects because it's not a real answer. <laughs> observing the effects. Yeah, I'm going to let myself finish a sentence of what I eat and tracking how it activates me and how it makes me feel, and then finding a course of food that does ground me. So um, I think actually that's one of the things that's changed lately is that I'm eating a lot more fruit, a lot more fruit actually, um, and some nuts uh, this week, and uh, including like chia seeds and uh, hemp hearts for for protein, and that's kind of shifted where I'm getting protein suddenly, um, but a lot more a lot more fruit. So in one way, I don't feel that my body is vibrating in this really grounded way, but I know I'm grounded. So I know I'm grounded. So I've gotten to this place where maybe I don't need to feel the heaviness of foods, certain foods, to actually be and stay grounded. So regarding foods to ground, people will say specific things, and I want you to honor that as part of their experience that you may find helpful or not helpful. Maybe play with those things. Um, I also I also want to say that using – this is not a food, but using uh, vetiver uh, – Aromatherapy oil, dealio tincture. I don't know exactly know what it's what it is, but vetiver V like Victor, E T I V like Victor E R vetiver. Just having a little essential oil. That's what it is. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. Uh, basic categories elude me. Um, but having a little of that and sniffing it will shoot energy down through your body. So you'll your energy will shoot down to your feet to the ground. So I almost you know recommend certain aromatherapy things uh, or essential oils over food for grounding. But then, you know, people will tell you different things. People will tell you things like, um, oh, you should have uh, lentils or you should have, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know, like different things for grounding. And I think a person's got to play with it and listen to the body, honor what the body is asking for, but then also 
be willing to change that over time because as soon as you get into a groove, your body may say, okay, great, now that need is met. Let's move on to something different. But um, in general, yes, 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 food affects your energy level. And if you eat sugar and things that become sugar, not necessarily uh, uh, targeting fruit, but like processed foods, processed starches, sugar, sugar, that's, you know, in everything. And I, I have to stop eating like, like I don't eat condiments because I don't need sugar added to my exploding condiment. Like it makes me so mad that it's almost impossible to find an interesting salad dressing in a bottle that doesn't have exploding sugar in it. It makes me so angry. Anyway, so uh, eating like I'm eating this week, I'm just, you know, it's irrelevant. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, why can't food just be what it is? Why can't it just taste like what it is? Like why does it have to be sugared up? Anyway, um, so that will make you agitated. That will bother you, including things that eat, you know, simple starches or processed foods that get broken down into, into sugar right away, carbohydrate, certain carbohydrates. Um, so those things your body doesn't like. Your body doesn't like them, except in very small amounts now and then. Like, um, but notice what you eat and how it makes you feel, and that needs to be the guide for you. And that's actually, by the way, uh, highlight for uh, Lilith work on one's self to notice that effect and also sixth house Virgo uh, work and also Chiron work, also Neptune work actually, being really aware of how your energy field and how your physical body are affected by what you're eating. So River, thank you, thank you for those uh, those two questions. These are really important questions to explore. Um, I'm going to go to Mary's question next, and uh, Mary's question. Um, and this is actually a really big topic that uh, I just have like seven or eight minutes left, but I'm going I'm to start it today and maybe, maybe I'll continue it another time. Um, she would like me to talk some more about what it means when you say, in quotes, you are always safe, unquote. I can understand this concept on a spiritual level, but wanted to know how it translates in the everyday real world we live in with its multitudes of situations. She writes, I suppose I'm asking how people in real crises, thinking about the Middle East today, feel safe, in quotes. Like I say, I do understand the conspiracy of love idea, but having trouble seeing how someone in real trauma would apply the concept. I've actually been thinking about this quite a lot because I've been listening to what's, uh, listening to some uh, podcasts and news reports about what's been happening in the Middle East, uh, specifically in uh, the Gaza Strip, but also um, in uh, in Afghanistan, or, um, in Iraq. Uh, and what's been what's been happening there with the Islamic State kind of going crazy, and then and then the escalating tensions, and potentially a third intifada with you know in Gaza. And um, I've been thinking a lot about these things, and uh, s- s- because I have real reactions to these these stories and, and these ideas, because think okay, I'm going to interrupt myself and start over. Think of it this way: there are two kinds of states that a person may be in at any given time. One is essentially normal life, and the other is the kind of crisis that Mary mentions. When you're in a crisis, you have to meet those basic needs of survival. You have to figure out how to survive. So I am not sending this podcast to people in Gaza who are wondering if their apartment building is going to be bombed tonight or tomorrow, uh, I'm not saying just decide that you're safe and everything's fine. Like that is like new age baloney. So that's like they're in a crisis mode. But I want you to understand that 
um, we get ourselves into crisis modes when we don't know that we're safe. We are guided into situations, relationships, dynamics, uh, encounters with people when we don't know that we're safe. We're, if we're vibrating, I don't know if I'm safe. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll get vibrated into that. Now, that's just a day-to-day thing. As far as being born, for example, um, maybe there are people in Gaza who are descendants from the people who went there in 1948 and even perhaps earlier. So you know, there are generations of families living there who are all from there. And so you think, well, that person, you know, a, a younger person there would be born into a family there, but the soul obviously would have a mission of trying to decide what it means to be safe. Am I safe? What's the cost of being connected to a tradition living in this place? What is the cost of being attached to the land because of, um, you know, ancestral uh, issues. These are, you know, a bunch of different kinds of questions that would come up for different people in this situation. So I'm not saying as the bombs are dropping around you that all you have to do is sit there and meditate on goodness. It's not that. But when you're not in a crisis, anybody, the more that you establish this baseline that you know that things are fine, and when they're not, that's temporary. When you're vibrating that, you're vibrating confidence. You're vibrating, I don't need a bunch of crazy chaotic crap and, and weird violence and things dropping from the sky to come at me, to challenge me to see if I'm safe. Like I don't, and I'm not drawing things in. So I want you to vibrate, I want all of us to vibrate the sense of things are going to be okay. Things are fine. Things are going to be okay. Even when they're not, to know that we can see beyond that and not become totally traumatized by what happens to us on a daily basis when the things are not, for example, crises like people in Gaza and Iraq are experiencing, and other places, of course, are, are experiencing right now. So the basic idea is, you know, Mary lives in, in Sydney, Australia. I live in Tucson, Arizona. Neither of us is being bombed. Neither of us has the threat of any of these terrible things. So we're, we're another way of saying this is we are having a particular life. Each of us is living a particular life according to our soul's journey where we are relatively safe. So we're carrying past life memories, uh, each of us, and I, I know Mary's story, so I know that some of this might be part of her past lives too, of crises and things going wrong. Like Mary South is an Aries, I'll just tell you that. So, so you know, things happening. You know, sometimes very, very dramatic, scary things sometimes. And um, so we have those memories. The people elsewhere on the globe are actually living those things right now. So when we decide that we're safe, we're vibrating that we don't need lessons. We don't need things to show us that we might not be safe. Uh, some of you may actually have comments about this. If you have questions or comments, feel free feel free to email me, tom at tdjacobs.com, feel, or, or post on my Facebook page, uh, Evolutionary Astrology and Channeling with Tom Jacobs. This is a huge issue, um, and uh, it's, it's a major issue. So, But our baseline vibration determines what happens to us, and there are people who are born with the need – to find out if they are safe, but they might doubt it. Now, everybody, for example, uh, and I have, uh, we, we say this, you know, when we look at this, we need to look at this with compassion and understanding for the soul's journey, as well as having compassion for the humans who are experiencing this. But we also have to respect, to some degree, that, or, or we need to respect that uh, souls, which are part of 
divine goodness need the full gamut of human possible experiences to learn about choice, free will, emotion, feeling, safety, security, becoming the source of love, moving through fear, fear motivations and experiences of fear into being motivated by love. So in, in the Middle East, we have these cultures who are struggling with this. So we have response to the individuals, and this is normal and healthy. I'm not saying you should meditate out of feeling empathy for people who are having these crises and these terrible situations. But, um, but you know, this will always confound the linear logical mind, which is what Mary's question is all about. Like, like she gets it, but how can that apply? So, you, if you're hearing this, um, decide that you're safe. Use it as a daily affirmation. Decide that things are fine, and when they're not, it's temporary. Decide that you're going to make it through whatever comes up for you. Decide you can handle the emotions that come up within you. When you have these empowering decisions, when you make these empowering decisions, you over time edit out other kinds of things that, that rush in to make you face the thing and the question, am I safe? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to make it? When you vibrate, things are fine. You stop creating situations that ask the question in your face. Uh, I hope this makes sense. I hope this makes sense. It, it doesn't, um, if we're, but, but if we're in fear mode, we can't know we're safe. We can't just say, I hope this doesn't, this terrible thing doesn't happen. If we're in fear mode, and I, I've talked about this before on the show when I was accident prone, is how it kind of generally qualify it. Uh, when I started work with, uh, with Jehudi on karma and soul and what the chart was really saying about soul, uh, and he was showing me that um, a belief that I had created a lack of safety, and I was like, that's baloney. That's, that's, that's bull. And then I looked at it, and I was like, oh my god. I truly, at a deep level, believe that I'm not safe. And so I changed that, and the accident-prone thing all but stopped. I mean, I, now I'm like another, you know, a regular person where sometimes things happen accidentally. But, um, but before it was like threats. People almost hitting me in their cars and like weird, weird things, um, and accidents and all kinds of things. But, but I was able to edit that. I was able to change that, but I'm not living in a crisis place either. So, so there are these two layers that we always have to work with when looking at this. But there is a, you know, the energetic consciousness level. When we look at that, when we look at the things through that lens, we need to recognize that people who are in crisis, whether that is my neighbor, a family member, or a community in Gaza, people who are in crisis like this, it serves a soul's journey. And we have to strive, sometimes struggle, we have to strive to apply the logic of soul to this. And if that uh, in, it piques you in any way, go back several months to the archives of this show. I did two shows back-to-back referring to the logic of soul. And I want you to listen to those and dig through the archives and get that. So we're coming to the end of the show. Mary, uh, thank you for that question. That's a really important, uh, it's a really important question. I've actually, you were kind of reading my mind with your third house Neptune. I was kind of, um, kind of thinking about that the last couple of weeks as I, as I listen to these different news stories and reports. So, uh, thanks again for joining me on the soul's journey. If you want to support the show, you can do so through tdjacobs.com. All donations are appreciated. Um, and also daily energy work in August. Check that out through tdjacobs.com. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for joining me. Next week, uh, you're going to hear about Octomom and uh, her 14 kids. I do some chart analysis. You're going to love it. Talking about the soul's journey about IVF, 
uh, in vitro fertilization and uh, test tube babies, as well as I, in the opening of the show, I do the chart of Louise Brown, the first test tube baby, who's really a Petri dish baby. So uh, thanks for joining me, and uh, look me up at tdjacobs.com, and have a great week. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul, inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's tdjacobs.com.